You're listening to The Impulse Project, featuring music from the demo scene and the tracking community. Right, welcome back to the Impulse Project, featuring music from the demo scene and the tracking community. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. This is Ed, and we're a little bit overdue for an episode, so uh, it's good to be back. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about our little break in a second here, but today we are on our 35th episode, so we're going to be talking about a new sound chip to the podcast, which is the YM3812 or the OPL2. Uh, many of you guys might know this as the AdLib or uh, some kind of variant of along those lines. But it's a really great sound chip, and we're going to have a lot of fun kind of going through some tracks today. Yeah, my first introduction to this chip, I think, was um, playing Doom on old DOS machines. Right, it was right. always one of the um, the sound selections that I could pick, and there were a couple different you know sound sources I could choose from that would play through my computer. AdLib, to me, always sounded the best so that's the one i'd always go with for my for my doom soundtracks and i didn't really have dos computers when i was a kid i was always like old mac stuff until like windows 95 so um, i missed out on a lot of the um the classic dos games that used this chip but listening to it now i i I can see that i kind of missed out on a lot it's really capable of some really cool stuff yeah i've been wanting to do uh this this chip for a while because this was something that was important to me growing up because i played a lot of like dos games uh, we got our first 286, 386, um, man, at late, I want to say late 80s, and uh, and the biggest feature to me was not having to listen to beeper music anymore, mm. and I was so excited. You know, we had a C64, but there wasn't really, you know, a lot of games that I had. It was mostly my dad doing business stuff on it, so I would, you know, kind of pirate games every now and then later on. Uh, the Amiga was really my first introduction to a lot of music as far as computers go, but... Uh, the OPL2 
uh, had a very special place in my heart because as soon as like stuff like Commander Keen or the LucasArts games or any of those games started really um, getting you know off the shelf into my into my house, uh, the the sound just started flowing, and I just really have kind of this deep affection for uh, the thirty eight twelve. Yeah, the great thing about the OPL2 is that it is an FM chip, so the tones are much more pure. You know, I think maybe, you know, listening to C64 and Amiga, you're going to hear some of that, you know, grittiness of low-quality samples or just, you know, the C64 just sounds like it's very, very textured, whereas you get some very clean, nice tones like we just heard in this introductory song. Totally. You know, on the ad-lib. So it's a whole different world of sound, I think. Uh, and I, I think as a kid, you're probably going to be drawn to that a little bit more, too, sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, we've played a few different FM chips so far on the show, right? We, I know we did the uh, the Sega Genesis. Maybe that was it at this point. I think that's it. Yeah, just the 2612. Yeah, so uh, so we haven't played a whole lot of FM yet, but uh, and, and I think we have played various tracks on other on other episodes after we kind of brought that episode mm-hmm. in uh, as far as FM goes there's not really as much as you'd think I mean the, the like MS-DOS computers are really really big here in the states but they didn't get the foothold that the you know other European consoles got such as like the Speccy and the C64 Amiga stuff like that so the demo scene just didn't really expand or kind of bleed over into the MS-DOS computer world too much and I think that's why there's kind of a lack of actual music done for it other than like the games obviously like your LucasArts and stuff like that that came out later it really didn't get the same demo scene crowd kind of drawn to it I think right and it was a total opposite in Japan where music discs for the Sharp X68000 PC98 you know they were coming out like crazy um, so that like the other side of the pond they were concentrating on all the FM over there and in the states we were getting most of the sample based in the PSG uh, demo scene stuff so if we do do any further FM on Impulse Project, it will probably be focusing more on the Japanese stuff. Yeah, I'd have to start migrating over uh, to the Japanese, maybe Korean side or something like that, because surprisingly, there is a large-ish mystery demo scene in Korea that uh, did a lot of stuff on the OPL2. I don't have any Korean tracks in my selection today, but um, it's definitely something that we're going to have to explore a little bit more, I think, as the show continues. So... Uh, let's talk about the YM3812 a little bit. It's a two-operator mono FM synth chip. Uh, it's known as the OPL2. It is the predecessor to the Big Brother OPL3 chip that um, was gained a lot more popularity, I think, later on. It has nine channels, uh, or nine voices that can play simultaneously, uh, each containing its own ADSR, or envelope generator, and each of the oscillators can produce sine waves that can be modified into three different waveforms. Ed, you want to talk about these waveforms a little bit? Sure. So the waveforms are created in a really interesting way. So if you imagine how a sine wave looks, uh, it's like a curved line that goes up and down over a line that kind of bisects it. What the uh, AdLib chip can do is it can kind of remove the part in the second half where the, the sine wave dips below that halfway point. So you get it like an upward curve and then a flat line right after that. Or it can reverse that negative sine wave and make it another positive one. So you get like camel bumps, like almost like there's two bumps instead of a up, upward bump and a downward bump. Or it can do like a pseudo sawtooth wave where it just cuts those bumps in half. Right. So instead of it being like a triangle sawtooth, uh, you get a curved front and then a flat 
back to it. So these are these are waves that you really don't see in other FM chips, and it creates some really interesting timbres. Yeah, and I think this is a, a really powerful characteristic of the OPL2 chip and its older brother, the OPL3, because cutting this, this sine wave down into like half and then quarter uh, really produces this unique tone. And uh, like you were saying, you know, very interesting timbres. And as we listen to some of these tracks, we'll notice like, you know, this this would not sound the same on the, the Sega Genesis, or it wouldn't sound the same on, you know, something like the 2608, which eventually we'll get to as well, because of this having the sine waves uh, characteristic. And I think that's what gives it its charm, I guess, yeah. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of composers sometimes fool around, and like with Def Mask, you can easily switch between like the YM2612, the YM2151. They all kind of have these, you know, same operators and, and same channels, um, but you don't see many people porting anything from like the 2612 to the OPL3 or the OPL2, I think, just because it works so differently. You really can't. You have to <laughs> right. compose its own individual music for it. Totally. Yeah, so nine voices, each with a wave generator. It has its own DSR envelope generator. It also has this really cool feature, and I don't know how often it's used in some of these tracks because I can't really see them in the tracker, but um, it has this thing called rhythm mode. And what that means is you can sacrifice three of those nine voices for five percussion sounds that can't be normally made in FM synthesis. So you get like a bass drum, snare, toms, hi-hats, and a cymbal, and you can kind of use those to um, create more dynamic music i guess you know because doing fm drums is is not that easy uh there's some tricks you have to pull there so i think this was a really cool feature of the sound chip yeah it sounds uh, more like like midi percussion over fm instruments so it's a it's it's a nice combination of the two yeah so let's talk about some of the trackers so the ms dos scene uh was was big and there were a lot of people that kind of migrated over from european computers maybe the amiga c64 and did end up owning, you know, this uh, MS-DOS compatible machine. And so there's trackers written for it, like AdLib Tracker 2, A-Music, uh, Reality AdLib Tracker, which is the big one. I, can't, I think that's maybe the most well-known. There's the Faust Music Creator. Uh, Scream Tracker 3 actually can export as AdLib, I believe, and so can Schism Tracker. But um, more recently, I want to talk about um, Rad Tracker, because in May of this year, actually... <laughs> Uh, Rad Tracker was updated to version 2 after 23 years of no development. Sounds kind of like Impulse Project. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're going in alignment. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's for Windows and Mac, and so you can download it. It's pretty awesome. It also supports OPL3 uh, now, which is kind of new to the, to the tracker. It only used to do OPL, and uh, now with that extra support, I think it's kind of harnessing a new interest in that chipset. That's really very cool. So uh, you ready to move on? Anything else about the... Adlib? Uh, no, but I do want to give a few shouts out before we start talking about the song that brought us in. Um, there have been a bunch of people on both the Pixelated Audio and the VG Embassy Discord channels uh, that have really been uh, kind of discovering Impulse Project and have been <laughs> um, almost begging us to bring the show back. And, and the, the show had never ended. We, you know, Brian and I never like got together and said, we're going to yeah, stop doing Impulse Project. Life just gets in the way sometimes yeah and i know you know you with with uh, pixelated audio um have been doing some great work over there some huge shows you just had your 100th Thanks. episode so there's a, been a bunch of stuff going over there um you didn't talk about vg embassy at all yet no i didn't I, and i was just going to actually <laughs> okay, so okay, okay. um pixel tunes radio 
ended. Uh, Mike and I split off. We each did our own shows. So now he's got XVGM Radio, and I've started this new show called uh, VG Embassy, and this is an entirely solo project. So I'm doing all the recording and doing all the editing, uh, getting the show out there, doing all the marketing and stuff. So it's been it's been a lot of time spent. Um, getting everything done by myself. Every episode, I have a new guest with me. Sometimes they're local, sometimes they're remote. Um, but they kind of come up with the shows, and then I basically help them design the show. And every show is a little bit different. So it's a really cool concept. It's been so much fun, but it's been so much time uh, doing it. And now that I've kind of got a lot of shows uh, under my belt, belt and, uh, to, yeah. you know, now I can slow down a little bit and start concentrating <laughs> on some other stuff that I've been wanting to put out. So I think both of our lives kind of opened up enough just to you know be able to to get impulse project out and i think we're, we're gonna try to get one episode per month out i think that's a reasonable i, I think that's expectation totally, for us i think that's totally uh, possible and you know every time i you know record an episode with you doing this show i always have a ton of fun and and i think the, the same goes for you right so absolutely it's not like we ever wanted to stop it was just a. Uh, I just stuff came up. I don't even know. <laughs> like it, all of a sudden eight months came by and I'm like, Oh God, what happened? <laughs> um, but I, I do want to say the VG embassy is a fantastic show. So if you guys haven't listened to it yet, definitely check it out. Um, I've, I'm listened to every single episode and uh, absolutely love it. Ed, you're doing great work there. Thank you. I'm still continuing to do the pixelated audio thing. Um, I have a new host, Gene, who is a really great guy. And I think he's actually going to be on VG embassy soon. Right. He is. We're going to be recording uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. So this is just a big like hodgepodge of VGM and Democene and all. <laughs> like we're all the same thing. So uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's it's been a, a fun ride so far, and uh, we're keeping it up. So, anyways, um, yeah, back to Impulse Project. So let's talk about this track a little bit. Yeah. So the track was called Raster, and this is when we were just talking about um, you know Reality Adlib Tracker and how is it's it's just come back. Um, so this is a track that was kind of bundled with a Reality Ad Lib Tracker when it came out in March of 1995. Um, it was created by Void of the group Reality. Obviously, Reality are the guys who made the Reality Ad Lib Tracker, and it's a great little kind of kind of a demo tune, but it's also like a really really nice, uh, very reggae inspired but also kind of jazz and bluesy at the same time. It's got some yeah, great yeah. soloing over this kind of a, a, a nice uh, Jamaican sound. And the tones are just super, super smooth. You know, it, it's just, right. it, it feels like it was, you know, custom made for this ad lib chip. Exactly. You know, this track, when, you know, when I first heard it uh, with you just now, like it, it's not doing anything. How do I say this? It's, it's very silky smooth and it doesn't, doesn't it's not showing your, off. Yeah, it's not trying to show off. But then that solo kicks in, and it's, it's showing off a little bit. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets pretty wild. And um, but the the chord progressions are very simple. It's not uh, like overly complex. It just feels kind of earthy, and I like that about the track. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was because you know being a kind of a pack in demo track. Um, you know, you could load this up in the tracker and kind of see you know, how the song was built as you're listening to it. And maybe that would kind of help composers who are just getting themselves used to uh, the Rad Tracker to kind of, you know, build their own songs off of this one. So I think he did a great job of making a very listenable song, but probably also a song that's uh, kind of a teaching song at the same time. Totally, totally. Uh, yeah, because if you had something in there that was way, like, 
overblown, then um, you might turn some people off being like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Be a little intimidated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I get intimidated by just looking at the tracker sometimes. Anyways. <laughs> awesome. Great track. How'd you find this? Just because it was bundled in or? Yeah, no, there's an OPL uh, collection on the web that I was looking through. And this just happened to be randomly one that I just kind of happened upon. I uh, I don't know. I think sometimes I just get drawn to to names, and uh, you know I'm I'm familiar with the term raster, so I figured, hey, I'll take a <laughs> listen to it, and you know it was it was a great track. So uh, it was composed by uh, Void, like I said. His real name is Rob Muller, and he's an Australian graphics artist and composer. Um, so there are a few groups out there called Reality, but this particular one started in New Zealand, and they originally wrote a lot of uh, Amiga demo prods, and they disbanded for a while, then got back together two years later and started working on PC demos. Um, at that point, they couldn't find a decent ad-lib tracker to make music for their demos with, so they decided to write the Reality ad-lib tracker. Um, so Void helped with the graphics, and he did some of the code on the tracker, and then he also wrote, like, like this track some of the first music for it uh this track was released one month after the debut of version one of the rad tracker so on a wow. on a subsequent patch after the first release this one started getting bundled in with the music itself wow. so yeah well that's pretty impressive i mean if if you're gonna showcase you know a new app and you got something to bundle along with it that's that's pretty awesome so uh yeah otherwise it, you know people would have been like okay well do you have any examples and stuff for us so at least there's something along with it but i, I like the track it's really good yeah i think it's a it's a great one it's kind of an iconic ad-lib song in in its own right too right i i have uh listened to a few other tracks from void and uh they're they're pretty awesome i think as time kind of progressed uh his skills for writing ad-lib music got even better and better too uh anyways anything else that's all i got man i'm waiting for your first track Cool. All right, this track is called Action, and this is composed by FBY on the Reality AdLib Tracker, which is using the DOS AdLib or Yamaha OPL2 chip. I think it's an excellent track, so let's take a listen, and we'll be right back.
right, the track was titled Action, and this is composed by FBY using the Reality AdLib Tracker, or RAD, on the Yamaha OPL2. I uh, picked this track because, first of all, I thought it was crazy awesome. It's kind of squeaky in the high range a little bit, but I, I really, really like the uh, the pace and the tempo and how every instrument kind of works together because he's really using all nine of those channels and, and making something very, I guess, beefy and, and, and fun to listen to. Yeah, the first thing I thought was this sounds a lot like video game music and action video game music. I think the title's really fitting. Right. Um, very, very frenetic, very fast-paced. I felt like maybe like the character would be like running towards me with like something chasing him from behind, like Crash Bandicoot or you know Indiana Jones or something. <laughs> it's got that very kind of fast feeling for right, it. Right, right. And I think Crash Bandicoot's kind of a good description too because it has like that high end is kind of like almost jungly. It's like it's got those little like yeah. triplets in there. It's it's yeah. really really cool. Yeah, you know, uh, when I first heard this too, I actually heard it back at the wrong speed, and so <laughs> I was I was like, oh, this is cool, but I wish it was a little bit faster. Um, and then sure enough, I, I plug it into a, a proper player, and uh, it, it worked perfectly. So, oh, that's um, funny. but I, I really liked the track, and I thought there was um, a lot of interesting things going on that I don't really hear so much on this sound chip. And so yeah, we hear a lot of you know um, video game music that might be doing kind of similar stuff, but it's never using the OPL2 chip. So this was um, kind of a, a nice take on it. And, you know, it's a mono, but I keep telling myself, like, this this is not stereo, it's not stereo, it's not stereo. Mm. But it, I, every time I hear the track, it kind of fools me again. So uh, I like that. Yeah, it almost feels like that high-end stuff should be like kind of like twinkling in each ear because you so often hear stuff like that on, on FM. <laughs> it's like your ears are trying to catch up and that one's just not doing it correctly, and so it sounds stereo that way. Yeah, and the, the percussion too. The instruments are very percussive, so it almost feels like there's real drum beats going on. But I couldn't. There really isn't that much discernible in 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 the way of percussion. There maybe a couple like staticky, noisy in instruments, but nothing that's <laughs> right. like a real kind of beat. You know? Yeah. Uh, so real quick, let's talk about um, FBY, and his real name is Fabio Barzalgi. And he is an Italian composer. He's been in a lot of different groups. He's been in Anon, Dark Age, uh, also known as DKG, Phase Distortion, Soft One. I think that was maybe his most active group. Spiral, which is another one. And these are all Italian, um, or at least Soft One and Spiral are both Italian demo groups. And uh, I don't think they're doing anything anymore, but uh, they were pretty active. They had a lot of releases in their day. He started back in 1984 on the C64, and then he got an Amiga in 87. And then, really, he says this on his website, too. He says, you know, he got into music because his sisters would take him to classical guitar lessons when he was six, and it just kind of stuck with him. So, um, <laughs> I guess, like, you know, thank you, sisters, because uh, he's making all sorts of cool music now. Yeah. He mostly sticks to Fast Tracker, but he kind of dabbles with Rad and Octalizer and stuff like that. You can go to his website. Uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. He has some of his stuff up um, that you can download in mp3 form which is pretty rad and uh, just probably like 150 different tracks so he's done quite a lot of stuff wow that's really cool yeah I'd like to hear some of his other stuff especially like uh, maybe some of his mod files um, be interesting to see what he, what he can come up with in those oh uh, yeah I know so go ahead and download uh, go to his website download some of the stuff um, there's some XM files some IT files stuff like that cool and uh, just normal mod stuff so yeah definitely check it out excellent so what do you got next horse Next up, let's see. Let's go with a track called Twisted. Uh, and this one is from an uncredited composer, but uh, I'm deducing possibly 
uh, the artist is Tito from the group Candela. So let's take a listen. Alright, that was Twisted from an unknown composer from the group Candela, and that was an OPL2 track. Uh, That was released on June 15th, 1995, and took second place at the Icing 64K intro compo. So I think... That's weird that it's unknown. Yeah, well, I kind of deduced a little bit. So Candela was a Swedish PC demo group, and um, Candela was made up of the members D-Light, Latex, Mad, Marwin, Matrix, Phobos, Kaz, Redcom, Shape, Tito, and Zyko. So it's it's one of those. Um, but Tito is credited for the music on a bunch of their other demos, so it's quite possible he's responsible for this tune. His real name is Johan Lars Althoff. And uh, none of the other members were credited for music, so, oh, so I is, just probably right. kind of have to, yeah, assume that it's him. Yeah. Um, they were active from 1995 to around 2012 and released a lot of demos for DOS, Windows, and Linux. And most of their releases debuted at the Birdie Party, which was a scene gathering held in Sweden. So a lot of their uh, tracks were entered into compos at, at those parties. I remember seeing a lot of stuff coming out of Birdie Party. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, wow. Maybe maybe I came across this at one point, yeah. Very possible. Yeah, I really like this one because it's very kind of breezy and summery feeling. Um, 
I don't, I don't know why it's called twisted. It doesn't really feel that twisted to me. It feels like a very smooth, kind of happy ride, like driving down a beach. Maybe it's like, uh, like maybe not twisted. Maybe it's a bad translation. It's like braiding. You know, braiding maybe. your hair. Blowing <laughs> <laughs> so in the know. breeze. Yeah. I like the track. It was really cool. It's um, we were, we were talking about it when it was playing. It's, again, a little bit on the high end, kind of like the last track I picked. And um, you kind of mentioned something about the the bass being a little bit weak, but not weak. I think I said I think I said farty. I think far- that was oh my, farty. That's right. That's, that's right. The proper farty. term. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the bass though, I I felt like it it was um a, a little bit flat, and maybe this has something to do with you know the FM patches are are just hard to do for bass. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a composer for any FM stuff. Not really a composer at all anyway. So. Um, maybe that just has something to do with it. I'm not sure. Or it was just a stylistic choice. But um, the track is a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's probably, pardon the pun, but a learning curve with these different kinds of sine waves. You know, you really have to um, kind of develop your instruments in a different way than you would if you were uh, used to kind of a more of a traditional FM chip. So, you know, that might cause some difficulties uh, on the lower end there. Because when you're when you're playing notes much lower, your, your sine waves are going to spread out a lot further. And I think those those shapes kind of become more apparent. You know, you kind of see the vibrations in between those waveforms, so that might attribute a little bit to those those funny bass sounds. But, you know, as we go through the show, we might see some other composers that might have a better handle on that stuff. Right. Now, you said this was released in 1995, and it's in v, uh, VGM format. I wonder, it must have been converted at some point, because obviously the format isn't that old. So I'm wondering what it was originally composed in, and uh, maybe that's the reason why you know um, it sounds the way it does because may- maybe making FM patches in you know at another you know older software maybe it was really hard to do you know you don't have yeah. the uh, the same stuff as you would on like a full blown like FM patch rack or something you know so yeah yeah, yeah. I came across a uh, a cool website called the WaffleNet OPL archive oh yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. so it's it's one guy that is basically gathering up as many uh, AdLib, OPL2, OPL3 tracks as he possibly can, converting them to VGM format and then uploading them uh, with as much detail as he could. Some of them don't have much detail at all, which is probably why I don't have a composer for this one. Um, right. But converting it to VGM means that you can use VGM play, you could use FUBAR, you can use Winamp, so you can play a lot of these uh, you know, song files that normally you would need the actual tracker to play back. You can actually just you know play them in, in commonly found music players nowadays. So that that he's he's doing a great, a great service, service to the OPL yeah. scene. Yeah, big time, big time. And I came across WaffleNet a few times too, and I downloaded a few of my tracks from there. Um, actually, I don't think any today, but I listened to a ton of stuff from that website, and it was really helpful, especially because I didn't really know some of these formats. Like I didn't know the best way to play them back except for in the tracker. Like I knew rad tracker, but some of these like other more obscure formats, I had no way to, uh, to, I didn't know where to start. And so that waffle net was a, a great introduction to, to listen to some of this stuff before I had to like actually do some work and figure it out. It <laughs> <laughs> was nice. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, what do you got coming up next? Uh, well, let's see here. Um, uh, so we played action, uh, the next track I'm going to play is from... I, I love this track, and I love this musician. Uh, have you ever heard of Extent of the Jam? Absolutely. He was uh, he did a live panel with you, right? Yeah, Very recently? Sh- yeah, he sure did. Um, no, he did a live panel with us last year uh, when we were doing some stuff at MagWest on Pixelated Audio. Uh, but he is an excellent composer, and he is um, kind of a spotlight composer for 
uh, Rad Tracker. They put a lot of his stuff. Now they bundle, version two bundles some of his tracks in with it. And he's done a lot of different albums. So let's take a listen. This is called Fear of Notes, composed by Extent of the Jam. That was Fear of Notes, composed by Extent of the Jam, also known as Louis Gornfeld. And uh, I thought this track was absolutely incredible. I think this guy has a total command of the sound chip and knows how to really just layer on and layer on different new notes and new instruments and just pushes this chip to its extent, you know, extent of the YM, you know, 3812. The extent of the jam. Yeah, extent of the jam. <laughs> yeah, uh, what you think? Oh man, fantastic! Uh, he created some amazing instruments, and he used them to incredible effect. Uh, it, it starts off very kind of light and jazzy, but then that it gets into this breakdown about like halfway through the track, and just gets really dark and very kind of like streets of rage sounding. Right, right. Some really cool like electronic guitar, like a rhythm guitar, and then some soloing going on in the background. Um, really nice use of volume. He's got some some instruments kind of like going on in the background while other instruments are kind of taken over in front, um, which I think is a great way to separate a lot of the uh, pieces that are going on at once because you don't have that stereo separation. So he's kind of using volume to take care of that. 
uh, really professional work here. Uh, and that kind of like tribally drum beat that goes throughout the entire track is amazing too. So great right. use of the FM channels for, for percussion here. Big time. Uh, there's something about his music. And first of all, he's a big fan of Yuzo Koshiro. So like any of the Streets of Rage stuff, you'll see him wearing like a hat, Streets of Rage. And he's a, he's a big fan. And uh, it shows in his work. There's a lot of that uh, Koshiro kind of influence, I think, that you know we yeah. can get from it. He um, he's from San Francisco, California, so he's just right up the right up the road from me, and uh, specializes in hyperactive video game funk grooves and original sound design. He's been doing stuff since 1992, and he's doing it to this day. Uh, like I said, uh, Rad Version Two just came out, and some of his stuff was bundled in, and so um, I think a lot of uh, people in the kind of OPL2 scene, as far as like you know music goes, uh, definitely know his stuff. Even chiptune music, he's just got a great command of the the sound hardware and just knows how to use it and he's very clever with his his patches and his fm because when he was on our panel he actually had a panel right before us on um how to create music with rad tracker and it was it was really interesting and he showed some of the tricks that he did for creating uh, more dynamic drums like he would add like a low bass drum and then he would have like a pop on a different channel as that note was kind of coming up mm. and so it would create this more rich kind of percussion sound with fm that you couldn't do on a single note on a single channel he was really just making up new stuff and he basically recreated during his panel like a yuzo kushiro track it was like some streets array track and so it was um it was incredible and the guy just he he understand he figured out the the rules of how fm work for this chip and kind of mastered it and so a lot of his tracks um have this level of dedication this level of quality very very cool yeah i noticed during some of the soloing every single note had an individual touch either a note bend or a, a, a specialized vibrato something that kind of made it feel like a human performance instead of just a you know, sequence set of notes coming out of a tracker and that's that attention to detail that shows that he really really loves what he's doing and really wants to make sure everything is you know 100 perfect you know actually that kind of brings me to uh one of your recent episodes actually when you were talking with the composer of the messenger on vg embassy oh yeah you guys were talking about like how he would meticulously work or or be aware of every note and make each note unique and uh, I feel like this is uh, another good example of of a composer that's that's doing that, really taking care and pride in each of those notes. Yeah, for sure. It's a mark of a great artist. Yeah, we'll put a link to um, his music. You can find his stuff on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, all this stuff. And uh, we'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But uh, what do you got up next for us? Oh, man, my last track. I can't believe it. It feels like we just started. Uh, this one is called My Dirty Old Adlib. And uh, <laughs> it's by Zalsa of the group... Titan.
All right, that was My Dirty Old Adlib, composed by Zalsa from the group Titan. And uh, that was a fun little track. Uh, it was kind <laughs> of... Uh, like evenly toned, I don't. I, it didn't. It didn't. Wasn't as dynamic, I think, as 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 extent of the jams track was. But I think it's very right. competently composed. Uh, it's got a lot of nice soloing. It feels more like a traditional demo scene track than I think a lot of the stuff that we've heard on the show so far. Right, like right. a lot of this other stuff is more like um, FM video game music or a little more jazzy and and more soulful than a lot of like the traditional like. Um, demo scene, scene stuff, stuff, but this right, one has right. a very, very scene feel. What did you think of it? Well, totally. Like, I'm a big fan of Zalsa, and I, I thought we played him a lot more on the show than maybe we have. Maybe that's because we keep seeing, like, oh, it's Zalsa. Oh, we played him a million times. We should probably, like, you know, pick somebody <laughs> else. I think that's really what it comes down to. But, um, yeah, Zalsa stuff is usually very zany, uh, very fast, high energy. And um, it's always a lot of fun to listen to. Sometimes, you know, after you listen to like four or five tracks, you got to like slow yourself down. Otherwise, your heart's going to explode. But yeah, yeah. his stuff is is usually pretty good. I, I've never heard any of his ad lib stuff before. So this was new to me and uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty safe. But, you know, again, kind of zany Zalsa stuff. Yeah, this was the only FM or uh, or ad-lib track that I could find from him. So I think maybe this was more of an experiment or a goof, you know, because yeah. normally he's composing an XM or mod format. So, totally, totally. Um, you know, this is probably just a, hey, I know I found this cool tracker. Let's try to make some OPL music. So, See what um, happens. Yeah. yeah, but he's a Swedish composer, uh, and he's been in a ton of groups. He's been in Analogic, Chippendales, Chipstream, CSP, Fromage, Musiker, Novano PC, uh, Razor 1911, The Rebels, Spin, Tequila, and then finally Titan. So, uh, yeah, he was born in 82, and he credits his cousin who brought home a 286 PC when he was a kid for his interest in computers. And then he started composing in Fast Tracker, which his friend introduced him to, and he started really getting into the scene in 1998 when his first ever released track tune took first place at that year's Remedy Party. So here he is, a total scene virgin, <laughs> and he releases one track and it takes first place at Remedy. So that's, that's incredible. Really impressive. Yeah. And uh, you know, that basically gave him his uh his jump start in confidence to create more music and he's created god hundreds of tracks uh yeah fast gave tracker him his wings. Too, his, yeah exactly yeah, gave him his wings i think that uh if you go to his i think it's his Bandcamp page maybe soundcloud no it's he's got both but um you can buy some of his albums he has like pure demo scene stuff and he's releasing it all the time i get notifications i'm i think i'm subscribed to his stuff so i get notifications all the time oh zalsa's got a new album out all right let's check it out but um always high quality stuff yeah yeah his real name is alexander bueller so he's one of those kind of chip tuners that i don't think will ever die it's this is like his his full-time vocation at this point yeah i think he's in it for the long haul so uh and i guess we'll just have to put more of his stuff on the show because <laughs> we've just been uh you know, silently thinking we've already played a lot. So cool. yeah, yeah, very cool. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I had a lot of fun researching all of this OPL two stuff because I didn't even know there was any sort of a scene surrounding the OPL two. And I always just thought ad lib was for video games only. And it was just something that composers made music for because that's the chip that was in their, you know, 
in the in the PC at the time, and you got to make some music with it. Right. And that uh, I never really looked at it as something to be very enthusiastic about because I never thought it was really capable of too much. Right. right. But these guys are really showing that you can do some very very cool stuff with this chip. So I'm I'm very surprised and impressed by it. Yeah. No. Me me too. Like I didn't really know much about seeing stuff going on with AdLib and other than rad tracker i knew about rad tracker but i was like who who uses it you know like i played with it once and i was just like "Eh, okay whatever um but i was young kid at the time and so uh it never really made an impression on me and then you know come to look later on that there's wow there's actually like a nice kind of uh cult following around uh, around this tracker and just the opl2 in general and so it was really fun to go through some of this stuff and i think i that's what i like about these spotlight episodes because sometimes at first we got to like really dig and it's like oh my god are we going to find anything and then you know sure enough we have more stuff than we expected more stuff that we can possibly play in an episode and so uh that's always a lot of fun because now we can start kind of putting stuff in random episodes here and there so I like it. Exactly, exactly. And I'm really cool. looking forward to hearing some more uh, Extent of the Jam stuff. That was a that was a great track. So, Well, I uh, we could throw something on at the end if you want. I do have one more track, though. And uh, this is a pretty good one. Are you ready for it? Mm, hit me with it. I think I'm ready. My body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sound quite sure there. Uh, no, this is a good track. It's called A Blib, I, I guess. That's how you say it. A Blib? A Blib? Uh, composed by Warlord. And uh, this was done in A Music Tracker. That's the name of the tracker, A Music. And uh, let's take a listen. We'll be right back. That was a blib composed by Warlord in 2009 using the A Music Tracker on the Yamaha OPL2. I thought this was an incredible track, and I totally had fun listening to it. This was the uh, ad lib entry for the Winter Chip 4 compo. I I don't know what place it took because I didn't see it on there. Maybe it didn't place, but I thought this was um, totally incredible. It was a fantastic little track. It goes through a few different motions and those very like i guess ovasive kind of bass line notes in there that just you know swell I yeah think that's incredible it's so um so chilling and fun to listen to like a very bassy fm sweep like we were talking about kind of like the, the weak low end that some of the other tracks had that we were we were playing before but this one really feels like solid nice 
wormpy yeah, bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good FM sound on this one. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, there, there wasn't too much in the way of, like, uh, dynamic melody and stuff, but just the, the sounds. And I think it was a much more technically proficient piece than it was a musically proficient right, right. piece. But just as impressive totally. all the same. You know same. what it reminded me of at the, uh, the towards the end there, uh, when it kind of breaks down and gets all bubbly, is the, uh, do, you, do you remember the Vector Man soundtrack? I think it was John mm-hmm. John Holland. I think did that. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. It reminds yeah. me of that. It's very um, kind of like spacious. It's it's mono, but it, it feels like it's swelling. These little bubbles are swelling around you, and I, I like that atmospheric kind of vibe that it gave me. So, yeah, I know that's the first thing that I when I heard, it, I was like, oh yeah, Vector Man, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Warlord. So I'll blow your mind. Yes, we actually played a track from Warlord on our last episode, but it was so long ago we've forgotten about it. Oh my God! Well, I I knew that. I mean, I knew the name sounded familiar. <laughs> That's what happens when you take a nine month break or whatever. Yeah, exactly. We played a track called "Frozen Silence." It was one of your picks. And oh then, my but God! Before that, on our episode thirty, on our Pokey episode, we actually played a track from him, and I think that was one of my picks. Well, so the thing is here, the thing is here is like, I saw the name and I was like, you know, I feel like we've played tracks from Warlord before, but I went to the website and I'd never seen this website before. I don't know. I don't know what it's like green and stuff. I'm like, this would have stood out to me, but um, it didn't. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is somebody different. And I just yeah, yeah. am not recognizing it. I do have his real name though. It's, it's Yuha Yakula. If you remember oh, that. So we must've, we must've, <laughs> okay, well that's his real name. It doesn't say it on his website. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then he goes by uh, warlord when he's composing in the demo scene. And when he's doing metal scene stuff, he goes by Armagon. So it, he has two different names depending on whether he's doing metal music or scene music. So, oh, okay. Two, two different personalities basically. That makes that makes a lot more sense. His website doesn't give any of that information, so it just <laughs> just says, "Yeah, it was part of a, a metal tracking group." And the and the group says, says here, "This is Armicon," but maybe that's just his name on there. Yeah, so. this was all in his Battle of the Bits profile, so that's where I got all that. From. Oh, well, that's why. That's why. And I see a lot of his stuff on here is actually Battle of the Bits, so um, that would make a lot more sense. Well, thanks for doing my research for me because I, I we failed that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you know what? I did the research correctly but just like eight months ago and so i'll go with that exactly not doing the same work twice that's what we're all about efficiency efficiency all right so i think that kind of wraps up the show do you got anything else any closing remarks yeah man i want to give some shouts out to a lot of those fans that we were talking about at the beginning of the show like uh, utopia nemo uh who else was there tin pot gamer the dyad uh norm uh, Electric Boogaloo, a whole bunch of guys who kind of, uh, Henrik Anderson, they've all kind of recently discovered Impulse Project during this hiatus, uh, and they've been really kind of um, propping us up, I guess, <laughs> listening to each totally, of our episodes. Totally. and Kind of instrumental in bringing us uh, back into it, because I think it was, it was it was more like, they were just like, hey, uh, so, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm at episode like 33, 34 now, and, and, and kind of run out of episodes, run out of shows. Running out of shows. <laughs> So uh, I'm glad I'm glad that um, they tipped us over because I had a lot of fun doing this. And you know we uh, we always have our Facebook group, and even though we've been on hiatus, there have been a whole bunch of chip tuners that have been posting in that group. I, I swear, there's well. gonna be a lot of surprise um, people when they see a new episode come out. They're gonna be like, "Oh, this was gone," you know. So it'll be yes, good. and yeah, it's gonna be very cool. Yeah, if you want to know more about the show, you can check us out online at impulseproject.info, and we're on Twitter at impulsecast. 
That's for sure. And you can always uh, check out my new show at thevgembassy.com. I've had actually a lot of chiptune artists on my show so far. Guys like Daya, uh, Dread, Rainbow Dragon Eyes, who composed the uh, the Messenger soundtrack. He's also a chiptuner in his own right. Uh, who else has well, been we on had there? Daya on this show, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. uh, and I just did a show with... Michael Bridgewater from Forever Sound Version. He's uh, He goes by Mebri, and he does a lot of C64 music. So, yeah, if you want to listen to some chiptuners uh, talk about VGM, you can always head over to VG Embassy and listen to those guys, too. So Cool stuff. Kind of crossing over the scenes here with my own podcast. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm still doing my same thing, pixelatedaudio.com. Like I said, we got a new co-host, uh, which is Gene. He's really awesome. He's really involved in um, chiptune scene, and he's really good friends with um, Lewis and stuff like that. He knows the scene pretty well. And so we should get him on an episode sometime. It'd be a lot of fun That'd too. That'd be great, sure. You know, James is still doing pixelated audio too. He's just on a break and doing some other stuff. I guess we'll just keep doing what we do. And hopefully we'll get another episode out soon. Exactly. Like I said, once a month. So this is our November episode. So next one will be December. And uh, I don't know. We'll come up with something fun to talk about. I'm looking forward to maybe doing a little free pick and uh, showing off some tunes that I've been listening to over the past eight nine month break that we've had going on i'd say what we're gonna have a really awesome end of year kind of thing or 2018 in review because there's been a lot of scene parties and there's been some wild stuff coming out so i think uh that'll be a lot of fun to do um you know as we get into kind of more of the end of the year or something sounds good to me cool do you want to listen to uh that extent of the jam track to take us out oh yeah you've got another one sure i'd love to listen to it got another one yeah so might as well you know uh since it's kind of a chip spotlight leave off with a like a bonus track so this is called add it up and it's actually just part one of a two-part uh musical mini series by extent of the jam thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you back in at least a few weeks for our next episode yes thank you so much for the support guys we'll see you soon <laughs> 